Hey, it's Amelia, aka Big Tit. And I'm Natasha, aka Little Tit. And together, we're, we're the, the Graveyard, Graveyard Girls. Girls. Hello. Hello. And welcome to an episode. It is an episode. <laughs> it's a, an episode. It's a joint episode. It, it is. is. Um, well, before we begin, well, let's just thank everyone that comes back and listens every week. Yeah. 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 Thank you for coming back. And, and if you want to help us out, you could uh, rate and review us wherever you listen. Yeah, that would be share very any helpful. of our posts yeah. to your stories so mm-hmm. your friends can find us. Yeah. Um, if you're really feeling generous, you could maybe come and join us over on Patreon as well. Yeah. Um, there's lots of different tiers to choose from. We um, won't tell you the details. You can find out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if you go onto our Instagram page, everything's on there. Yeah. Um, or onto our website, mm-hmm. which is the graveyardgirls.co.uk. Yes because we couldn't afford.com yeah <laughs> but we might be able to in the future if you subscribe to patreon yeah um yeah so obviously we're going for a joint case today mm-hmm. um we're back into a normal routine now aren't we because we had different things last month for halloween yeah we were sharing other people's stories last month so if you only joined us last month uh we're now going back to our original schedule of us doing joint cases and also then every other week we do one of our own individual that we present to each other. Um, because, yeah, sharing other people's stories is not what we normally no. kind of did. But we maybe might do it in the future going forward. Because mm-hmm. uh, at the point of us recording this, we've only just started releasing those special episodes. So we don't know how well people, um, whether they liked them or not, basically. Yeah. So if, if they do really, really well... Oh, no. <laughs> If they do really well, we uh, might do one every month, maybe. Yeah, see how we go. Yeah. Um, and by this point as well, we've obviously had our Halloween special episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a bit of a competition going at the moment. So, shall I reveal those details in this? Or shall I say you've got to go and listen to the Halloween special? Uh, do both. Okay. I suggest you go and listen <laughs> to the Halloween special. Because that will have the full details in yeah. on how you can enter a competition. Um, but basically... We're running a bit of a story competition, so we want to hear all of your scary stories or spooky stories. Um, it doesn't have to have a particular theme. It doesn't have to be a particular genre. It doesn't have to be very long either. No, we uh, we said no more than 2,000 words, but you know, if you do 2,001, we're not going to kill you. Um, so we basically said no more than 2000 just so if we get lots we can cram them all into the episodes because mm-hmm. the last week of each month now running till the end of february we're going to read the stories that people send in so it could be a thriller like really intense it could Ooh. be a bit more of a comedy um you can go with like oh as we went funny and i feel like a little bit my writing's a little bit childlike so if you want to write a story that's not necessarily for adults i it loved doesn't it ha- i did it was fun to record i loved it <laughs> um so if you want to go for that like you don't have to even be a writer you could maybe have like never done any writing before and maybe you want to like just give it a go yeah. so you can do that uh maybe you know someone that is really into writing and they just kind of i don't know maybe want to share their work with someone kind of get out there yeah they could send in a story all we're asking is it has either a spooky or a scary theme so something that we would deem spooky or scary it's got to have that in so it could be a spooky or a scary character it could be a spooky or a scary place um it could be like a really like full-on intense scary thriller Mm. um it could make it murderous it could be a paranormal sort of theme whatever you want it's just we're calling it your spooky or scary stories and the prize at the end whoever wins will be a t-shirt 
So, uh, yeah, the full details are in our Halloween special episode. So if there's anything I've kind of forgotten here, <laughs> it'll be included <laughs> in that. But yeah, basically, it's just your chance to have a go. Yeah. And um, yeah, you can do. You don't need any experience in writing. Just have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. And yeah, once you send them in, we'll read them out in an episode. And at the end, we'll have a month where everyone can vote for their favourite. Mm-hmm. And the winner wins the prize. Yeah. So we're not choosing the winner. The winner will be decided by, yeah, by all, all the listeners. Yep. So, yeah. And and then maybe once you've sent your story in, encourage everyone you know to listen to it. So And then vote for your story. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So that helps us out because we get more listeners and maybe get a new audience that we wouldn't have otherwise had. And it gives you a chance to win a prize. And it's not cost you anything other than the time it's taken you to write your story. Exactly. So, you know, no harm in doing it. Just give it a go. If you've never written anything before... You've got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So I think you should just go for it. That's yeah. what I'm going to go with. And on with that, um, shall we get on with our... Joint case. Well, we have a case that we're presenting together. Yeah. But the theme is the same. Yes. So we're going... We did a Midsummer Murders theme mm-hmm. um, a couple of months ago. And yeah. we're going... We, I really enjoy that sort of theme. So in terms of anyone that's maybe outside of the UK, they might not have heard of the Midsummer Murders programme. It's basically murders that happen in really quiet little villages. Um, Because we always think of these countryside villages as being nice and quaint and happy little places. But some of them have very dark histories and have had some very gruesome murders. Yeah. So we've each picked something that kind of relates to this, sort of, or at least fits in the theme. Um, And yeah, we're going to present a case to each other. So it's Midsummer Murders number two. Part two. So, do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, which way round did we do it last time? Did I go I, first? I really can't remember. Uh, yeah, you go first. Okay. So, for this one, we have the Lime Slade mystery from 1929 in Wales. Ooh. Okay. And this one is a real good one because not only is there a murder in it, but this would be the murder of a very mysterious woman by the name of Kate Jackson. Okay. She she's a mystery lady. She doesn't sound very mysterious at the she, moment. She doesn't at the moment, but she, she will do. So I say a mysterious woman because long before her murder, there was a number of mysteries that surrounded this lady. Oh. Okay. So Kate's claim to have been born in India and would tell her husband that she was the author uh, Ethel M. Dell. Okay? okay. However, a birth certificate... Uh, found in her belongings was that of a female named Kate Atkinson who was born in Lancashire um, to Agnes and John Atkinson. When alive, Kate had been questioned about why she had this in her belongings and she simply said that she'd purchased it from a girl. So I don't know if she was going with maybe she used it as a bit of a false identity, maybe to get a job at some point. Maybe. Mm. But it's a bit unusual that she's got the birth certificate of another girl. If that is the case mm. it might just be her actual birth certificate. birth certificate which is i think what we're going with yeah okay because like she's still got the same name just a different yeah. surname yeah, okay. yeah so in 1904 now in her teens she went to london to become an actress she would become uh, the common law wife to leopold legray's and now called herself molly legray's Okay. okay. So a common law wife. So they they are married and they're not married. If yeah. that makes sense. So to anyone that doesn't know, you don't have your official like ceremony in a church, but you're recognised as husband and wife. Yeah. So in 1914, she would start her career as a con artist. Mm. Mm. 
Her victim, George Harrison, would meet her when she pretended to faint in his presence at the scene of a car accident. I'm assuming not George Harrison from the Beatles. No. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so she's obviously fainting mm. in the presence mm. of the scene in a car accident in uh, Charing Cross and managed to persuade him to take her for lunch. Uh, so maybe she just fa- fancied him a bit. You kind of see this kind of on TikTok now where women try and like look at men while they're in restaurants to get the men to buy their dinner yeah. for them. Just like, pay for yourself. But I'm also thinking this time we've got 1929. Like, I feel like yeah. a lot of the women would be like, oh, I'm fainting. Like, I feel like it was a bit of a thing. Like, we were both like last week because we went for a walk. Well, I went for a walk and then needed to lie down because I was not <laughs> yeah. feeling very well. <laughs> so that's how I imagine it's always like. It's like you're acting very delicately. Yes. But you can, you're quite capable of doing everything yourself. You just have to faint. Yes. Yeah. She was obviously successful in wooing him and they began an affair. Ooh. He was a married man. She would go on to tell George that she was pregnant and ask for £40 for an abortion. Uh, he paid, but she then continued to ask him for sums of money and he would pay her weekly by embezzling funds from his workplace. Oh, that's a big no-no. Yeah, so he's really getting him in trouble. But she's obviously persuaded him well. He's mm. obviously... He's either very obsessed with her or he's fearing that she's going to tell the wife. So he's paying out of fear. So yeah. one of two things. Yeah. By 1919, she'd now married a man by the name of Tom Jackson. Tom was a war veteran from Cardiff. They initially lived in Kate's property, which was a farmhouse in Surrey, and Kate would tell Tom a number of stories of where she'd grown up and come from. So she's obviously very good at making up stories about her history. Obviously not phased by these stories, the couple settled, adopting a daughter, Betty, and in 1927, they moved to a small remote bungalow in the Mumbles in South Wales. Mumbles, that's a very cute place. It's where my sister used to go when she was in uni. Well, she's obviously Swansea Uni, but Mumbles was literally like a half an hour walk. It's very nice, and it is like very little coastal villages. Okay, I've never heard of Mumbles. It's really, really nice. I suggest you go. Okay. She told her, um, she told him the neighbours that her name was Kate, but Tom and close friends who visited still called her Molly. From the the actress. Yeah. yeah. Kate appeared to live an extravagant lifestyle, especially as that of being married to a war veteran. Um, and Tom now worked as a fishmonger, so wasn't bringing in a lot of money, but she seemed to live a very flash life. So this indicated to others around her that she had either an unknown income, which we obviously know to be poor George's embezzled money, or she'd come from wealth. Is she still embezzling money from George? Yes. Throughout this whole marriage? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, it might be about to unfold. Well, okay. Okay. Every Wednesday, she received a letter containing £30 in cash from a source unknown to Tom. Mm. Uh, We obviously, in fact, know this was from George Harrison. The blackmail was only revealed when Harrison was caught and put on trial for embezzlement, um, for, sorry, embezzling £19,000. He would claim that 8000 of this was for a woman he knew as Molly Legrays. Okay. So where's all that other money, Uh, George? He's obviously, I think he started embezzling and then just kind of carried on. Okay. (laughs) Maybe, I'm guessing he must have done the books at that job. Yeah. You know, like, maybe once it gets easy, he's like, oh, no one's really noticing. So take some kept for taking her, a bit more. from me. Yeah. So, um, now we're about to go on to the murder. Okay. okay. Fast forward to 1929, on Monday the 4th of February, Kate would be attacked in Plunch Lane in a tiny hamlet in Limeslade, which is on the edge of the Mumbles. And it's still very tiny today. There's really not much there. Mm. So, it's not changed very much. 
Just after 10pm, Kate and her neighbour Olive Dimmick were returning from the cinema. Olive had only just said goodbye to Kate when she heard Kate scream. Olive quickly went outside and found Kate near the back door of Kate's neighbouring bungalow with her husband bent over her. Okay? Okay. And at first I was like, well, he's obviously bludgeoned her. Okay, but maybe not. She was bleeding from her head and was barely conscious. Tom and Olive moved her to the back door. Olive then noticed that Tom was still in his underwear and so sent him in to get dressed. Olive's husband, Sydney, soon arrived as, along with another neighbour, Rose Gammon. <laughs> Brilliant names. <laughs> Tom reappeared, now dressed, and Mrs Gammon offered to call for a doctor, but he declined, saying he'd fetch someone if she got worse. No, this, uh, she got a blow to the head. Mm. But maybe like he just didn't realise how... For the benefit of his dad, maybe he didn't think it was that serious. She's bleeding. Yeah. From the head. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. A little while later, Tom did in fact go to a neighbour, but he went to another neighbour, Mrs Janet Phillips, and phoned for Dr Neil Seddon Taylor, who agreed to come out. They met at Boyle's garage, which was 100 metres from the house. Whilst they waited for the doctor, Tom had told Mrs Phillips that Kate had recently received threatening letters regarding an embezzlement trial two years previously. Okay. Okay. When the doctor arrived, he examined Kate, which revealed her wounds were very serious indeed. Yeah, George was just like, oh, it's fine. She's just overdramatic. Tom. Tom. Her husband. What about her husband? Yeah, that's Tom. George is the one she embedded. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. So Tom is just like, she's just being overdramatic. She's fine. She's an actress. She's always like this. (laughs) You know how people are like when women are in pain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The doctor showed... Sorry, the doctor had to shave the back of her head and stitch the more serious wounds. Kate complained about the pain, but when asked how she was attacked, she went quiet and simply uttered a single word, gorse. So it's like she was sort of talking a bit until someone started asking her questions, and then she kind of shut up and just said gorse. And that's when her brain hemorrhage kicks in. Yeah. (laughs) So gorse, I don't know where this has come from at this point. So was it gorse or has she said something else and they've misunderstood? it possibly the doctor told tom to call the local hospital and to call a taxi to uh, to get them there as well as the police to report the incident tom went to mrs phillips but only asked for a taxi <laughs> okay upon return the doctor said that the hospital would only accept her with prior notification this time tom went back to a different neighbor and some said this is because he didn't want to disturb mrs phillips for like the fourth time okay so. but if you did it right the first time tom yeah, I'm going to say he's either in so much of a panic that he's yeah, just forgetting yeah, yeah. things or he's thinking if I just get to the taxi and get there because like now you think you just go to the hospital yeah, they yeah. accept you but in a lot of these country hospitals They're it's not, not the main yeah, hospital yeah. if that makes sense so you have to ring ahead forewarn be like uh, yeah. yeah we've got some stuff coming in can you uh, be prepared yeah so this time he went to a neighbour called uh, John Skidmore and he told John that his wife had been attacked on her way home from the cinema so he's kind of still following this same thing he's not making any weird stories up yet the taxi arrived and took kate and tom to the hospital and the doctor followed behind in his own car now this why is where i was a bit confused why didn't he take her but then i'm thinking does he maybe have like a sports car or something that's only got two seats but they wouldn't have it's like 1920s all cars are massive but are they though maybe there is some only two-seater ones well, um, my, take, my knowledge on take cars the patient don't, yeah. You don't need to take her husband. He can make work his 
own way there. Take the patient. You are the doctor. Unless he's worried about us slumping over in the seat and like them then crashing the you car. Just drive. Just take her yourself. Yeah, I don't. Deal I with don't that know the if reason. That happens, Maybe he didn't want the blood in his car. Oh. <laughs> okay. I thought it was strange as well, but there's obviously a reason behind it. I'd just be like, why can't you take me? Yeah. You'd be like, I'm not a taxi service. <laughs> but you're heading that way. Yeah, well. Anyway, once at Swansea General Hospital, Tom didn't stay. In fact, he went back to Limeslade with the taxi driver. This is what I'm saying. He didn't need to be there. Yeah. If he's not that bothered, yeah. doctor should just take the patient. Yeah, exactly. So... Tom had left before the hospital staff had a chance to ask him what had happened. The hospital informed the police at 3am and they then called the doctor for more details. The police went straight to the hospital first and then to Limeslade to interview Tom at 5am. Tom was slow to answer the door. But I am wondering, not because he's hiding anything, is this just because he's gone to sleep? (laughs) It's probably just, he's just so tired. He's knackered, yeah. When examining the scene, police found broken glass in a pool of blood near the back door. When questioned, Tom claimed he'd heard a noise at 10.45pm and found Kate near the back door just as Olive ran up. Okay. So that would explain why he's standing yeah. over her. Then when questioned by the police, Olive said that Kate had had a fear of strange cars and that there'd been one outside opposite the house and the night in question. So does this go along with Tom had previously said to another neighbour that she'd received threatening but, letters? Yeah. So was she worried? Maybe. Could be. Mm, about the trial coming to catch up with her Mm -hmm. an x-ray would reveal that kate had fractured had a fractured skull and there were nine separate head wounds so (laughs) a a very serious attack for something that's happened so quickly yes okay with it being normally a quiet area this story attracted a lot of attention and a lot of press journalists descended on limeslade and soon discovered that she was the Madame X, who was the mystery witness in the London embezzlement trial. So obviously George's trial. Mm. And this obviously involved the man named George Harrison, who had embezzled the money on her behalf. Both Tom and Olive revealed that Kate had a deep fear of being discovered, and that she'd wanted to live in Limeslade due to it being so remote. Mm. So they'd obviously only moved to Limeslade once this trial had happened. So maybe this would explain her fear of strange cars appearing that weren't like normally there in the street. Because I imagine there's literally a few houses. Yeah. Because um, even now there's not that many more, and I feel like if another car appeared, it would be very obvious and she's obviously very paranoid about it and if she's getting letters on top, maybe there is a mystery person that's come for her. Mm. So police kept guard at the hospital hoping she'd recover enough to name her attacker. On the 9th of February, she was able to answer questions but gave the police no useful information. Her condition suddenly deteriorated overnight and she died just after noon on the 10th of February. The cause of death was listed as a heart attack caused by trauma. Mm. so it's now a murder rather Mm. than just a aggravated assault tom was named as prime suspect and charged with murder two weeks after the attack a tire lever was found in the kitchen of the house but no positive evidence was ever found to link tom to the crime nor was a motive ever determined at trial the judge told the jury that he saw no evidence of third party involvement but ultimately tom was not was found not guilty in July of 1929 and the media seemed to be in support of him. Hmm. And so the case has remained unsolved since, so they never found another suspect or questioned anyone. So what was it that Kate was trying to tell everyone when she said the word gorse? Was it a name? 
Um, and some have speculated that it's also similar to Legray's, which was her common-law husband. So, the first husband. Maybe. Mm. I thought it might be like kind of George. Yeah. But when people are thrown out about the other husband as well, because like, how did she leave him? Mm. Because she obviously then started the affair with George, so did he find out about the affair and he got really angry about it? I assume. And then she just, maybe she didn't... Um, really believe, leave him. Yeah, didn't yeah. divorce him. Which then means her marriage to Tom would be void. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. So she's a mystery lady. So we don't really know much about her early life because mm. she kind of made up lots of different things to everyone else. She was telling them, like some people, that she was born in India. Mm. So, I mean, it's not impossible. Yeah, I think also history doesn't help because they don't tend to document women. Mm. So she could... There's I think that she as well. So it's believed that... that those birth certificates are found that there were the ones because it matched an age and everything else. Yeah, yeah. They believe it to be, to her. be her. Yeah, and it to me it made sense because seeing as that first name matches what mm. she was going by, and that's it. But why did she want? Why was she pretending to be someone else? Even from that age, like in her teens, had something else happened that we didn't know about? And so you see, that, she wanted a new life. Yeah, either that or she's just so used to just being like making up stuff. Yeah. She wants to be centre of attention, but in, like, a small place. Yeah. Well, I think she started off, she obviously wanted to go to London to be an actress, so maybe she had ideas like she was going to become famous. Yeah, so she And then she got to. stuck in that trial, and then all of a sudden she, like, kind of wants to revert back and go, no, I want somewhere quiet now. Mm-hmm. And I think after that trial, she lived a very paranoid yeah. sort of life. Mm. So I don't think the, t- the husband, Tom, no. did do it. I mean, he was obviously very tired, yeah. So his actions probably seem a bit questionable. Yeah. But I don't think he's guilty, no. And I should imagine as well, it's just very strange that the attack would have literally happened within a minute because mm. Olive is only like a couple of doors down. Mm. So she literally just left her, kind of was about to go into her door and she heard Kate scream. But she's also been bashed over the head nine times. So like, that was a very quick yeah. attack. <laughs> so yeah, and obviously there's broken glass. So are we going to presume it was maybe a bottle? that Maybe. was used or yeah. something that was glass anyway something that had something glass on it yeah so but yeah no weapon was actually found but then obviously when they arrested tom they tried to say it was a tire lever but if mm. it was a tire lever why was there glass in the pool of blood yeah so that's also makes me think that it wasn't tom i think there was just a tire lever in the kitchen yeah they're like what's this here it's like well where a else? murder <laughs> weapon yeah they needed something that she'd been bludgeoned with so <laughs> like this will do the meat cleaver is it no yeah. the, that but yeah yeah all the knives in the kitchen but and yeah, that was it. Fact. I think they just, they wanted a suspect. And because Olive had said he was standing over her, mm. I think it was like, well, it must have been him. Mm. Because who else could it have suddenly been? Mm. But if the mysterious car is to be believed, then someone could have been waiting. Exactly. So yeah, I thought it was very interesting. It's it very fits interesting. in with the Midsummer Murders in terms of like, it's a little remote, little country place. But also, you know, extra mystery. Because who was Kate really? Do Will we ever know? I don't think so. No. Yeah, if they can't, lady. if they can't uh, solve it when she's alive, they probably can't solve it now. Yeah. So yeah, unless something gets uncovered one day, mm. you never know. Someone might have some papers or a photo somewhere. True. A distant relative, maybe. I have one that is very similar to one that we've that I covered. Oh. And it happens on a farm. Oh. But in America. Okay. I've never heard of this before. Oh. So I'm going to be using the only two sources I could find. Okay. Because it's literally, there's nothing on it. One of them is Modern Farmer. Oh. And the other one is Little Witch 
Oz or Oz. I don't know how to pronounce that. Okay. In 1773, Mm -hmm. the town of Stanfordville was officially formed in the state of New York. This is located 90 miles north of New York City, and this is where our murder takes place. James Husted Germond married Mabel Gregory, eventually settling in the town to run a dairy farm, and they had a son and daughter. Okay. The German family were was dedicated and many people held them in high esteem the germans weren't rich by any means Mm -hmm. but they were very hard working dairy farmers and they lived very humbly on november the 26th 1930 18 year old Bernice german stepped off the bus near her family's farm on the outskirts of stanfordville she was returning home from uh, for thanksgiving from poughkeepsie and this is where she was attending business school bus dropped her off around 5 p.m. and it was already be get, getting dark because it's November. Yeah. She wished the driver a happy Thanksgiving but then noticed something strange about her parents house. Oh no. Which she could see from the road. It looks like nobody's home and the house is dark she commented a bit perplexed. She then made her way to the farm as the bus pulled away. Oh no. I'd be really scared at this point like you're not going to want to go in. No. Now, the timing of the murders are unclear, so I don't know if this would have happened before, during, or after Benice was on her way to the house. Okay. But a person approached the German home and attacked Mr. German and his 10-year-old son, Raymond, oh. while they were in on the wagon preparing to milk their cows. Then the killer proceeded to drag their bodies into the shed. The pair were soaked in blood from numerous stab wounds covering their bodies. Oh. The killer then walked over to the German kitchen door. This is where Mabel was in the kitchen preparing food for the family. And then the killer knocked on the door. Mabel opened the door and the person started stabbing Mabel over the heart. He had brutally stabbed Mabel to death, leaving her in a pool of her own blood by the oven. She too had been stabbed multiple times. Bernice's body, and this is a quote was a pincushion of stab wounds and she was found near her mother's body under the oh, kitchen. Oh, so she was killed as well? Under the kitchen table. I thought you were going to say she came home and found them dead. No, oh. so I don't know if she... Because I was going to go, she the suspect. <laughs> no, I didn't know if she kind of like walked in on it. Oh, yeah. Because the house oh, was, was already dark. There, yeah. So I don't know what happened. James didn't make a milk delivery on Thanksgiving, which was unusual, but he failed to deliver again the next day to the border company. So Willard Coons, an employee, was sent to the farm to make sure everything was all right. Coons arrived just after 9am. Not seeing anyone in the yard, he got out of his car and began to look around. He heard the hum of the milking machine and the lowering of the cows and found that the herd in the barn were in bad need of milking. So they never got around to doing their job. He made his way to the wagon shed where he discovered the bodies of James and Raymond. Oh, I also imagine the cows were very hungry. Yeah. Poor cows. Been there about two days at this point. The coroner, after examining the family's bodies said that they were stabbed 23 times (gasps) so i don't know how many each each, but in total is 23 a short time later the german farm after um the employee mentioned well 
went to receive yeah police it was a hive of activity as members of the duchess county sheriff's department and the state police tried to make sense of the brutal murder that would be billed by the press as the worst crime in the county's history mm-hmm. it didn't take long for an army of reporters and nose nosy neighbors to show up and disturb the crime scene which mm. is always the case in small yeah. things like this which was already failing to provide much in the way of clues the discovery of a large butcher knife that had been wiped clean of any prints provided the first solid piece of evidence in the case. Mm-hmm. Investigators were able to trace where it had been purchased, but this eventually led to a dead end as the shopkeeper was unable to identify the person who had bought the knife. Okay. But another source says they discovered a pig shaver knife thrown oh. in on the ground and it was covered with congealed blood. Unfortunately, the knife was handled by so many people, once it was discovered, they were unable to get the prints of the killer. Oh. A shopkeeper had contacted the police to inform them that a man recently purchased a pig shaver knife. Mm -hmm. The police tracked that man down, and his name was Florentine Chase, and he was new to town. They took Chase in. However, because there weren't any prints that they could prove it was him, they released him. Okay. There's things that aren't going aren't matching for me so back to my other source james was a mild-mannered struggling dairy farmer who attended church regularly and was a member of a local grange okay grange i think is just like a little club okay he didn't seem to have any enemies among the many working theories the investigators pursued was one about was one about a mysterious stranger who had allegedly been seen walking near the farm around the time of the killings. Hmm. The suspect, Florentine Mendy, was eventually picked up in Brooklyn in a pool hall in New York City by police and was brought back upstate. He was released after none of the witnesses who had claimed to have seen him walking near the farm could pick him in a lineup. Other leads went nowhere, including a long-shot theory about a vengeful suitor of Bernice. Okay. Disgruntled hunters who had been fined for uh, hunting on the farm without permission, and an angry road worker who had been fired for making a pass at Bernice. Okay. None of these leads panned out, which makes sense because Bernice was away at college, so if she's getting any attention... It would be at college, not in yeah. her hometown where she's not been for months. And also, I'm not sure I like the idea of it being a random one. I think it seems a very personal attack, so I think it's someone they know. Yeah. It's either someone that's like not happy. That I know they're not massively successful, but someone maybe is not happy with their work or something, mm-hmm. or doesn't want them to do well. Mm-hmm. And it's so, because you've killed the whole family. It's not like it's one person. Yeah. It sounds very personal, but also to the whole family. It's like you've... You've got to get rid of the whole family for a reason. Yeah. So it's like, why... The, the vengeful suitor of, like, Bernice doesn't make sense to me. No. But, and then I thought I did a thing. But, yeah, the Florentine uh, Mendy and Florentine Chase, mm-hmm. I think they're supposed to be the same person, but two people right. have them as two different... And different names, yeah. yeah. But I have took it as they're the same one. In early December, the German family was laid to rest. The investigators continued to chase down tips in a case that had gained national notoriety and then stalled. Mm -hmm. The authorities offered $25,000 for information leading to the arrest of the killer. 
which failed to get any leads or information. So even mm. with that, they're with just With that like, sort of money, people weren't. It was around this time that Governor Roosevelt, who was from Duchess County, stepped in and after several prominent local residents were dissatisfied with the handling of the case and mm. asked for his help. He ordered the state's attorney general to take over the investigation. Yeah. Now, this scene is seen as a tactical ploy in order to gain vote votes by the opposition. Yeah, I get that. As Roosevelt goes on to become president in 1933. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. This is the uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, not Theodore. Because okay. when, when I was doing it, I was just like, is it Theodore? And then I couldn't match up the timeline. So no, it's not. Okay. Now, I don't know if Roosevelt's order helped or not, but in February 1933, more than two years after the murders, Sheriff Oakley Cookingham was able to make a case against the German's neighbour, Arthur Curry, a 46-year-old with a violent history who Cookingham had come to believe was behind the killings. So, their neighbour. Ooh, so maybe my theory was right. (laughs) (laughs) I think it might be. Curry had served time for assault and had an explosive temper he was a chicken farmer mm. and possibly a small time bootlegger so he'd make um alcohol on side okay. and kind of like sell stuff and this is during prohibition, prohibition i think yeah investigators learned that on the day of the murders curry told his wife he was heading over to see james about some money he was owed mm. he came back around 6 p.m within the time frame of the murders that took place he later told his wife that he'd seen James that day, but hadn't been able to collect the money that he was owed. Right. On March 9th, 19th, Ooh, my birthday. I know, <laughs> 1933, Curry was charged with the murders, but it didn't take long for his defence lawyer to seek a dismissal of the case for lack of evidence. Uh, which is true. Which, yeah, there's no true. physical evidence. It's just kind of like hearsay. And like, yeah. A hearing was held in Poughkeepsie on April 3rd. Cookingham told the judge that he believed the killing stemmed from a quarrel over hunting rights. James had refused to allow Curry to hunt on the land he leased from him, leading to a blow-up which resulted in the murders. Ah. Our investigation shows that the murders were the case of a quick-tempered man after an argument, the Mm. sheriff told the court. The judge sided with the defence and ordered Curry's release and charges dismissed, telling the sheriff the case was made up of too much suspicion and too little evidence. Ah, okay. By this time, Roosevelt had been elected president and his interest in the case had faded, as did that of the media and eventually the public interest faded. So the case still remains unsolved to this day. Ooh. But I think I the neighbours is a strong suspect. Yeah, seeing as like now the... um. Family's not there. He can go hunt on that land. Yeah, that and he, if he does have enough money, he's also got the option to buy, buy the land and expand his, his work. Yeah. I so d- it helps him out, doesn't it? Especially if he's kind of got like lots of side hustles where he mm. can probably afford to buy that. And I don't think he's struggling. He's just very... He struggles with his temper. Yeah. And he would explain it because like if you've obviously stabbed the dad, you've got to kind of kill the son as yep. well. And then once you've done that, there's a chance that the wife might have seen mm-hmm. so let's hypothesize that he starts killing her then the daughter arrives yes. back and he's like oh shit no i can't leave without her seeing me so he's got to kill her as well now yeah but yeah i kind of think that bernice kind of was on the way and she may have like 
was there in the aftermath and therefore she had to uh, yeah because at first i was gonna be like oh could she be suspicious if she comes back and finds all three and because like she'd then inherit the farm especially when she like makes that comment to the bus driver it's yeah. like oh it seems strange yeah because that almost just like they're definitely already dead because they've not there's been no alive. lights yeah because even the mom she must already be dead because you would have thought if she's preparing food she would have switched the light on yeah in the kitchen to prepare, yeah to prepare food so either yeah. Arthur was slow at getting back out and or he'd switch the lights out and the lights were on mm. and or one theory i just thought she never made that comment and it was made up after the fact oh what by the driver he just wanted to get me yeah. a couple of minutes fame like yes i remember her yeah oh maybe maybe because you do get that in a lot of cases i've seen them you know when you find them you're like oh this witness they're saying oh i saw this yeah and then other people are like yeah, but did they though? Like it's like they try to help, and it seems like they have some really important information. But then a down down the line, when they find more credible witnesses, that original witness then throws out what they said because their timeline slightly ruins everyone else's. So it's like they try to help and do a good thing, and then they don't. But yeah, they actually made it yeah. worse. There's no time of death for these, so mm-hmm. I don't know if like. But then even if it's in like a few minutes, it. Thing is, it's going to be hard because it's been a couple of days when they've been found. So I should imagine they're already starting to decompose mm. and be a bit smelly. Mm-hmm. And it's also because like rats and stuff will have been at them if they're on a farm. And it's very annoying that there's like two, only two sources that I could find because mm. like any dairy farm murder or death just comes up with any and every. Yeah. He got trampled by a cow. <laughs> and it was a lot of that. So I was just like, oh. so I literally only found two sources. And they, to me, they conflict a little bit with that Florentine guy. Yeah, which a lot of things do for that time. Yeah. Because well, it's like now even, to be fair, they're all jumping on it, trying to get the best story. Yeah. Yeah. No, very interesting. I thought it was a bit like Hinterkaifeck. So I was just it like, is a little bit, actually. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't family. listened to that episode, go and listen to that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I couldn't. I think it's the neighbour just i think if it's my neighbor it's got to be someone that knows them well personal and i think they've done it for their own gain and so it's it's a shame you couldn't find out who had the farm afterwards Mm. because even if it wasn't the neighbor like if it was someone else that like just suddenly bought it because there could have been talks of that person maybe tried to come to the farm and buy it yeah and he wouldn't sell or yeah Yeah. and they really wanted it and they maybe did have the money so i think oh if you just kill them and then buy it legitimately if they can cover it up well enough Mm. well they obviously did well, yeah. Yeah, very good. Very interesting. Small town New York. Mm. I, it took me a while to find a small town, like countryside here, and I was just like, I don't like it. Well, I found some, but they needed a lot more research because yeah, some of the names are very hard to pronounce. Yeah, and there's lots to them. I found this with the ones. like I've got quite a few cases that fit into this quite yeah. nicely. I've already yeah. got, like, if we want to carry on with a Midsummer Murders one, I've got plenty of cases to go with it. Yeah. But they're like, there's a lot to it. Because yeah. it's when I started writing, I read it originally in a book and it was about 16 pages for everything they put together. And I thought, oh, this isn't too bad. Like I could read through this and decipher it and then just go and check the other sources. And then when I started finding the other sources, they'd left so much stuff out mm-hmm. that was like, oh no, now I've really got to dive into this and try and then wiggle out which bits. I think they picked the bits that they deemed most plausible, which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. Yep. But it's like there was so much more to it and then I needed to route through it all to decide if i felt it was relevant yeah but then it was becoming a massive job and after a whole day i was like yeah i'm not gonna write this in time so i kind of moved on to another one i think one of mine was a bit too i know like a whole family wiped out is gruesome but i think the method of the other one i looked at i was just like it's not midsummer 
Okay. <laughs> so, oh, but maybe it'll have to do it as a case. I, I've got it okay. down. It's just, it needs to be the right time for that, I think. But yeah, I think this one, this was probably the one that's most outside of the Midsummer Murders one because it's more like a little hamlet. It's a coastal town rather than your traditional no, no, Midsummer no. Murders, but... It's not... Co- oh, yours. It, yeah, Oh mine, yeah, yeah. 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 It's still so, villagey. Yeah, still... well, that's what I thought. It's quiet and everyone, like, knows everyone, which yeah. is, like, when you listen Midsummer. to Midsummer Murders, yeah, everyone knows. And she's had this mysterious background and a lot of the Midsummer ones, they come from London or something. There's always, like, a rich person yeah. or an actress or something, isn't yeah. there, that's, like, yeah. come down. So I thought, oh, she fits in in that way but yeah she obviously she was referred to in London in the trial as Madame X so because when I kept doing that that, those things come up and I was like ooh it sounds cool but yeah so she was a very mysterious lady yeah and I think it probably did have something to do with her murder yeah I think it does too but yeah so and if you haven't listened to any of the other Midsummer Murder ones we've done uh, I suggest you go and listen to that episode Mm -hmm. I think we did call it Midsummer Murders yes we did and then if you like that and you've still not listened to any of our really early episodes with episode one, Duck and Muffler, that's got a similar sort of style one in it. And episode two, mm-hmm. they're both country farm ones. <laughs> they are. So um, both with Charles is in, Charles. hence the name. So yeah, if you like that sort of thing, go and have a look. And then your hint of Kaifleck, I can't remember what number that is. Is it like 13 or something? It's early-ish. Yeah, quite early on. So, go, oh no, maybe number eight or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's one of the really early ones. So we've covered a few. We've definitely covered a few. Yeah, that have kind of fit into that theme. So if that's the one you like, that sort of theme and country murder, then uh, there's some other episodes for you to go and check out if you'd like. Uh, I think that's it for today. Yes, let me just double check the hint effect for you. Yeah, there we go. I'm sure it's early on. Is it like eight or nine or something? It's not 11 because that was your Polish war hero i think oh it might be further than we realize where, where is it i'm sure i named it hinter kaifek did i not i don't know or is it mystery on a small mm, yes maybe uh, da, 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 da. yes that's episode 10 oh i was close enough close. Sort of in between <laughs> i was like eight or nine or 13 <laughs> so it's kind of in the middle yeah i knew 11 was your polish war hero i think yes ah, I, I do have my Some memory, yeah, yeah. That's a that's another good episode. That's a very sweet one. So go and listen to that one too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's it for today. That is. Uh, in the meantime, keep creeping, and we'll keep digging. <laughs>